In this week's episode, Brian McCormick, CEO of Hummingbird Humanity, and I will chat about work-life balance, the first Asian American on U.S. currency, and much more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Brian, let's get started. Will you introduce yourself, please? Of course, Bernadette, thank you again so much for inviting me to be with you today. And I love when we can find the joy and the levity and the the bright side of this work because it can, as you've said, feel so heavy sometimes. And it's good to remember that change is happening and there are things to celebrate. So thank you for bringing those to our inboxes. Uh, for all of you out there, I am Brian McComick. Uh, I use he, him pronouns. I'm the CEO and founder of Hummingbird Humanity, as Bernadette's already shared. Hummingbird is a consulting firm focused on bringing to life human-centered workplace cultures uh, where everyone feels like they belong, where representation is celebrated, and where diverse voices matter. So Bernadette and I are kindred spirits in this work and love sharing these conversations. You can all see my LinkedIn profile, so I won't go through that resume. The short version is I'm an expert in organizational change, and I've spent time working both in HR and diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I bring somewhat of a, a unique lens from some of my peers in the DEI space, as I know, Bernadette, you do as well. And uh, so I look forward to today's conversation. Thank you so much, Brian. Well, speaking of positivity, which I know you radiate, tell me, what are some of the things that you're seeing in your work with clients that are giving you hope? Yeah, you know, I think I'm seeing, and, and many of us have seen this over the last couple of years, you know, there was a the tragedy of George Floyd's murder that ignited so much conversation and the first steps. And, you know, one of the questions I know that I had, and I, I, I know many of my colleagues did, is, Will this work actually make any difference? Will it will will it be meaningful? And you know, I'm seeing the clients that I started working with two years ago, they're sticking around and they're continuing to do the work and they're continuing to have conversations and find new ways to do the work. So that for me has been really rewarding, partly um, because, hey, they say Hummingbird is doing a good job and that's a nice compliment for me and the team that I get to work with and this work that I get to do. But it also says to me that leaders are finding the value in this work. And I wanna be clear that we have so much more to do and I don't think we have anywhere near fixed things, but just the fact that people are staying engaged in learning and growing and evolving, that's really exciting. And, and actually I was on a call with a client this morning where we were, doing a debrief on their employee experience survey. One of the products we offer is a, an annual employee experience survey Then we do it differently than sort of the traditional employee engagement survey. And something that was really interesting was 
that they've had twice as many individuals share their LGBTQ plus identities in the survey from last year to this year. Wow. And last year it was only essentially gay, white, cis men who, who identified. And this year's group is a much more diverse group of individuals. So this is the fact that they feel safe enough to share that who they are. And even though it's an anonymous survey, just like, you know, th- there is a difference from last year to this year. And that means we're doing something right. And as a member of the queer community, that certainly just warms my heart. That is awesome. That that would inspire hope to anyone, I think. You start to see people's intersecting identities. And I think when it's right there in the data, it's really hard to ignore. And I think leaders need to be reminded of that. So that's really cool. Well done, Brian and, and team. That's fantastic. You know, in this week's five things, I wrote about how my partner and I went to go see U.S. Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor speak last week in Chicago. And I don't know if you've ever heard her speak, Brian, but she is an absolute inspiration. And and what really radiates from her is her passion towards children. So yes, she's written her own memoir, but she's also written several children's books, which have really powerful messages. So one of the ones we were talking about before we started today was how one of the audience members asked her about how we work through the increasing polarization within our country and the court. And she emphasized empathy towards everybody, perspective taking. You know, these things are hard. They are hard, especially when some of these Supreme Court decisions are really significant. So building empathy, even towards people like um, she was asked about Justice Clarence Thomas, and Mm -hmm. she said really kind things about him because she looks for the good in everybody. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's such an interesting conversation and it it is, um, and it's something that I continue to struggle with of particularly how to connect with those who have what, I perceive, let's say it that way, a different point of view or perspective on inclusion, if we want to anchor it in this conversation, than I do. And I'm going to share two different things that that spark for me. The first is I saw a meme yesterday, and if I can find it, I'll, I'll send it your way, um, Bernadette. It was about a um, parent who said that their their child had come home from school, and somehow they were having this conversation, and their child said, when I don't like someone, I try to imagine them waking up and getting dressed for, for school and their mom and dad wishing them a great day and you know sitting at the table with their, their, their family for breakfast. And it helps me care about them. And I thought that was really beautiful. And it, it's a good reminder of even when we see things differently, we are all human. We all want to be cared for and to be loved and be respected and appreciated. And it's okay for us to have differences of perspective. I also, you know, have, have seen the, the meme, uh, which is a quote of like, it's okay for you to have a different opinion, except for you, if, when your opinion is rooted in the oppression of my existence, and that doesn't work. And I find, you know, so that's that's difficult. In our work at Hummingbird, though, which is where this conversation comes up for me a lot, is we believe in the value of conversation and shared humanity as a way to lead the path to change. So when we connect with someone who's different than us, and find some sort of shared bond, bridge of trust is what we call it, then we can start to understand how the world treats us differently and then support each other to try to make the world a better place for both of us and each of us individually. And you can sort of play that out over, you know, with one conversation after the next with more and more humans involved. 
And so I really do believe in that. Um, and it's also hard, and I really struggled with this in the last election, and I'll leave the labels out of, off to the side of the, you know, the, off to the side, but I had friends who are people I love and who've, who are close to me who voted in a way that was different than mine and felt different than my value system. And that was really hard for me. I did have some conversations though with them. And what I learned in those conversations was that they just looked at it, the, their vote in a very different way than I did. They had different priorities and they don't agree with the oppression of, of a queer, the queer community either, um, but they have other priorities that ranked higher for them on their vote. And I'm like, I don't have any issue with those priorities. It's still hard to reconcile, but uh, it was, and it was uncomfortable for me to sort of cross that threshold and say, hey, let's have this conversation because I was so hurt, but it did give me another way to look at how do I understand their point of view? So I think this is something that so many of us are struggling with, and, and I don't claim to have the answer, but I love that the conversation is happening. Yes, absolutely. But the conversation doesn't happen if we don't talk to people who are different from us. <laughs> so Because <laughs> then, I'm, then I'm not doing my job, right? Like if I'm like, right. I'm to talk to people who are like me and see the world the same way I do, then, oh, I've missed the point. It's really easy to stay in those bubbles, though. Um, one thing that I have found useful to me as I navigate those conversations is to be somewhat trauma-informed and to be mindful of all of the stuff we all carry around with us that could lead to things like a scarcity mindset, which could lead to struggles for power and control and wanting to hold on to that, um, which could lead to how people vote about financial priorities right? If you grow up with a really strong scarcity mindset and there's never enough, then that can cause a whole series of other approaches that affect how people behave. And I am empathetic to that because I was raised with some degree to, you know, with that. And so, you know, that's just one example of being slightly trauma informed that can help me that helps me take those other perspectives and you know thinking about things like loneliness and how abandonment issues can play i mean there's so much stuff right there's so much stuff that subtly that can be triggered at work or that plays out in in how we behave towards others so anyway let's move yeah. on to the good vibes Brian I just, yeah I just want to say one other just quick thing because uh, the what I really appreciate about that is each time that I have an emotional like reaction which I've learned I you know I do this work for a living so I know how to control those emotional reactions so they don't cause an issue in the space but I will go back to my team and talk about it. And often what we end up doing is we see the rest of the story of like, where might there, this, this thing that was said or done, how it impacted me, where did that come from? And, you know, that is the trauma informed that you're talking about. So I love that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It just helps me get that extra lens. Okay. So let's move on to the good vibes from this week. The first story is about Anime Wong, who was the first Asian American to be featured on U.S. Currency. She is appearing on the U.S. Quarter starting this week. And she was the first Chinese American film star back in the early part of the 20th century. Pretty big milestone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's... Um... I think it's long overdue that we are seeing some improved and increased representation on our currency in the United States. And, you know, I think the uh, the Asian American community is often one that 
um, is not fully, you know, we, we've, as you, you, will, you will know, Bernadette and many of you watching with us will have heard the model minority of Asian Americans. And it's, and the rest of that is the, the model minority myth. There's so much more to the story about the Asian American experience and the marginalization of those communities. And certainly so many of us saw the horrible hate crimes that were targeting that community. Uh, so I really, I'm excited about this step. Uh, it's a way to, to sort of continue that conversation and open the doors to understanding uh, the lived experiences of that community. And, you know, I think one thing that I always try to re remember about the Asian American community is they are so incredibly diverse. So we simplify, oh, way oversimplify by just putting them under one label. And, uh, you know, the Chinese Americans, Japanese, Koreans, Filipinos, there's so many amazing heritages and cultures that we can embrace in our country and learn about. Absolutely. And you know what? This is, we get to hear the story. I had honestly never heard of this woman prior to a couple of weeks ago. So now we start to tell these stories and it just helps people feel seen. Next story is you can now buy hearing aids over the counter in the U.S. Previously, those who were hearing impaired had to get a prescription and then pay for the cost of hearing aids, which were really marked up. And that meant that 84% of Americans with hearing loss do not use an aid. So this is really significant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I was thrilled to hear that news when I, when I read about it. And when we think about the community of disabled people or people with disabilities, um, uh, which of which I belong, um, you know, there is, it's a, it's a conversation that we often avoid. Um, mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that avoidance has led to lack of access in, in products like hearing aids. And I love that the conversation that's happening to sort of bring the disabled community out of the shadows and say, we can talk about this stuff. It's okay. Um, I, I have a, I have a mental illness that I battle and it's not, it's not a shame. It just is what it is. And I, I I'm glad that I know, cause then I can get the help I need. And that's similar here, right? Which is, you know, this community who want to hear the world better now have better and easier access to be able to do that. And I'm a huge lover of Broadway musicals and, uh, and music, uh, uh, you know, and, and I, Alexa plays too much music for me. We won't go there. Um, but, uh, you know, I, like now they can all participate in that in a, diff in a way that is uh, that joins uh, joins them with the rest of the community. So that's exciting. Oh, oh, Alexa's asking me for a second. Alexa, stop. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The next story is from Glassdoor, which has enabled new filters allowing folks to search for reviews and employers based on things like culture and values, diversity and inclusion, or by reviews specifically by folks who identify as gay or black or whatever. So you can get more tailored insight into the organization. I love this kind of external pressure. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, and, you know, I, as I mentioned, I was an HR person and I have analyzed more employee engagement surveys than I want to admit over the course of my career. And I was proud of my ability to analyze and to theme and develop action plans. And something that has really shifted for me about the way that I do that over the last few years is if we do it as a as the composite only, um, then we are erasing the voices of those that are underrepresented in our companies. 
So of course I do, you know, at Hummingbird, we do our employee experience survey through the lenses of different identities and intersectionalities because we want to make sure we're elevating and amplifying those voices. And I love that Glassdoor is doing that as well, both um, for to hold the, the, the companies accountable and also for the people that might want to join that company. It's uh, that gives you some insight. And, you know, for many years, I would, whenever I interviewed for a job, I would make sure in some way that was appropriate for the conversation and the interview process that they knew I was gay. If they didn't want me to be there because I was gay, I didn't want to be there either. Now, do I think they should change? Yes. Like, I'm not saying that's okay for them to, to be exclusive in that regard, but this is going to be helpful for people to say, like, how do they find a place that they can be themselves? And um, and I think, you know, to your point that there's an accountability there. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. Yeah, I love it. And I love tools that give just a little bit more power to, to, the, to the employees or the candidates. Okay, uh, next story is about the Social Security Administration, which has made it easier for someone who's transgender to change their sex marker. So although the Social Security Administration does not allow gender X yet, they have removed the barrier for folks to change their gender marker without third-party proof, which is a really significant deal. That's a huge barrier for folks. It is. It's it's a huge barrier um, in just being able to to acknowledge their true self and their true identity. Um, and why should we make that hard? And so I, I'm so glad to see that the, this is that barrier has been removed. What I also understand, having talked with some of my transgender colleagues and friends, is the the expense that they have to incur so that they can go through those processes. And this is just one piece of the puzzle. But you know, each piece that we solve makes it a little easier for someone to be their true selves. And and it also, you know, I think so many of us, and I'm and say I'm I'll be one of these people, sees the government as an antiquated organization that is hard to move, no offense to government <laughs> professionals, um, but I'm sure many of us will, would say that, yeah, that makes sense. And so for the government to be saying, we're going to take a step forward in the right direction here, which is great to see, um, that means corporations that have more agility than that, that institution should be moving in that direction as well in whatever ways they can demonstrate inclusivity. So I think it, it also sets a little bit of a beacon for cor- corporate America to, to catch up if they're on already there. Usually it's the federal government that that's catching up with corporate America with a lot of these policies. It's nice to see that potentially going the other way. Okay. So next up and the last story from today is about how the Bank of Ireland is now offering their employees paid menopause leave. Now, this is something that a lot of UK employers are, or more and more UK employers and Irish employers apparently are beginning to do, but I'm not really seeing this catch on here in the States, Brian, are you? No, are we allowed to talk about menopause? I think that's what we're (laughs) (laughs) Let's see, because that's the thing, right? It's like, we don't talk about it. So we're not going to talk about it. We can't fix it. And no, I'm not. I, I have heard of this trend emerging uh, in the UK. Um, and I, I think it's, um, I, it's not part of my lived experience. Um, I'm, you know, it, and the first time I heard of, like, that was my reaction. I was like, can we talk about menopause? I'm like, wait a second, I do this for a living. We can definitely talk about menopause and it's important. And it's, and it's, it's clearly an experience that, um, that happens for in, people with uteruses that is not acknowledged enough. Um, so I think, you know, in, in the, 
in the spirit of the bodily autonomy is a human right and all of the different protections and conversations that we need to be having there. I, this is one where often I would say the UK is a little behind the United States in some of these conversations. This is another example of another country sort of getting ahead of the, the, the conversation and hopefully they'll ignite some dialogue here in the US. I hope so. And if they do, you can read about it in the Five Things newsletter, which arrives every Saturday morning. If you don't already subscribe, you can subscribe at fivethingsdei.com. Thank you so much, Brian. You have been a delightful guest. It is wonderful to talk to you as always. And uh, thank you, everyone. Have a great week. Thanks, Bernadette. Stay safe. Be well, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to Five Things in 15 Minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my Five Things newsletter, join at fivethingsdei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith, and I'll see you next week right here for Five Things in 15 Minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI 